0: Hello and welcome to Signal Path, a podcast about the ways that artists engage with sound. I'm Andrew Anderson. In this episode recorded at the podcast show in London, Shaw's Mark Young speaks with songwriter, producer and keyboardist Hannah V. Hannah got her start playing in Rihanna's band before going on to sign a solo deal with Sony Records. Since then she's worked with artists like Stormzy, Yola and JP Cooper. Her version of Rihanna's Diamonds was also featured in the Netflix show Bridgerton, and she recently spent time working in South Africa. Mark met up with Hannah to talk about her origin story that takes in both India and Berlin, the fairy tale phone call that led to her working with Rihanna, and her secrets for successful musical collaborations. Hannah V is up next.
1: Thanks so much for joining me today here at the London Podcast Show.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Yeah, you're actually a London local. How long have you been in the city now?
2: In the city, about 15 years now. Okay.
1: I want to get into how you came to London, and also you went to the Royal Academy of Music here. And I want to get into all that and the work that you're doing as a producer right now. But first, I think maybe let's dial it back a bit and trace how you actually made it here. Yeah. Because... You were born in Germany That's right. to a southern Indian family. That's right. right. And then you went to an American school. It's yeah.
2: cosmopolitan. It's Exactly. And you,
1: you <laughs> raised in Berlin. Yeah. And then you emigrated to the UK. So yes. that's that's a lot to unpack. Yeah. Uh, I guess let's start maybe with your choice of instrument. Mm-hmm. What drew you to the piano as a little girl yeah. in Berlin?
2: So actually, I started piano lessons in India. Another part that we missed is that I lived in India as a kid as well for a couple of years. I lived there with my grandma and my uncles and aunts. My family, my immediate family were still in Berlin. And we started piano lessons, and I don't think it was anything, like any question that was asked of me. It was just like, Anna, you've got piano lessons now. And to be fair, I don't remember a lot of it, but I started when I was five, really, for a couple of years in India. Came back to Germany and then continued with a very strict, incredible classical piano teacher in Berlin called Elke Damaschke. And she was so strict that she would yell at me if I was moving my body too much. She would yell at me if I was playing repertoire that she did not tell me about, you know. But in hindsight, she was incredible in terms of my technique, in terms of my discipline, all of that, you know, she taught me.
1: It's interesting you say you actually started in India because Mm. India has a Extremely deep and well established classical, Indian Mm, classical mm. music scene. But when you started there, what were you playing there as you know opposed what? to when you came here? I
2: actually don't remember. You don't? okay, I don't remember, but I'm assuming it was classical stuff.
1: So aside from her, yeah. your teacher, mm. what influences did you have when you were growing up with the piano? I mean, mm. I'm just I'm interested because were they solely classical world influences or did you also have pop musician role models yeah. as well?
2: My story is interesting because my parents weren't necessarily musical, you know. So, it was just me and the piano. I was very supported by my family. Um, They're wonderful. They've always been 100% behind me. But it's not like I had anyone at home super interested in music, you know? So, my dad would blast Tamil Christian music, for example. Um, We'd have the radio on, we'd have MTV on. So, there's lots of different influences, really. We also went to an incredible church that was full of classical musicians and singers so we'd have incredible opera singers so you know when a lot of people say um, they learned in church yeah. you immediately imagine like a gospel upbringing for me it was the opposite it was hardcore classical so i'd walk into church and the choir director would be like hannah come over here i um, quickly side read this yeah. or you know kind of sing you're going to sing altos you got to sight read so my chops okay. were also developed in church and in school
1: okay so then you had that as your foundation and then you eventually came to london for jazz piano yes right how was that you know you show up at the prestigious royal academy of music and you get thrown in the deep end Mm. can you describe that to us intense intense very
2: intense you know um there was also a bit of a culture clash um because i went to an american school With American teachers, where we're just used to the American way of everybody super enthusiastic. Hey, I'm Hannah. Hey, I play the piano. And then you come to moody, moody, moody Britain. Okay. The way the academy works is you only have one person per instrument. So the year, my year was seven people, and everybody's like shy and British. And then some random chick from Germany walking in, being like, hey guys, I'm Hannah, I play the piano, didn't really go down well. Whoa. You know, it took me in terms of culture, really a couple of years to understand that that's not personal. And also it was intimidating being surrounded by the best of the best. I think that's something that happens when you come from certain places, you think not in an arrogant way, but I was always used to kind of being able to nail everything that was thrown in front of me, you know, and then I'm literally around child prodigies who started years and years before me, were professional when they were 10. Like, we're talking the best musicians in the world. It was intimidating.
1: You've also said that part of the reason why you came to the UK was because you felt at the time in Germany, maybe there weren't the same opportunities for a woman uh, of Indian heritage. Absolutely. Mm. So what you did maybe find, you find like a, you know, know, the vibrant British Indian community here Mm -hmm. in London and. And how that must have been culturally liberating in many ways, but yet you still had to adjust to the reserved British at the at the Academy that kind of thing. yeah, yeah.
2: Um, and this is the thing, isn't it there's no such thing as the perfect place, right? But what I found in London, which I'm so grateful for, as tough as the Academy was, that wasn't the rest of London. Right? And so I come into this city that is vibrant, that is cosmopolitan, where I'm seeing people of color, black people, brown people, in positions of power, which is something that I did not see in Germany. I'm seeing communities being proud of where they come from. People are asking me, you're Indian? Okay, where are you from? Are you north or south? What language do you speak? What religion are you? You know, people are educated about minorities or about my culture. It's very, very, very a very deep thing to say, but I became a proud Indian woman in London.
1: So that must have been very liberating culturally. Mm-hmm. How about musically? The reason why I ask is because I find it fascinating that you studied jazz piano, yeah. but then suddenly at some point you're playing keyboards for a pop superstar like Rih- Rihanna. Mm-hmm. Like I stopped mm-hmm. How did that come about?
2: I mean, this is another thing about London, the musical melting pot that is this city. It's insane. So I'm coming from Berlin, you know, a city, but nothing compared to London. And all of a sudden I'm introduced to the jazz at the academy, but I'm introduced to jazz funk. I'm introduced to drum and bass, garage. I'm introduced to the club scene. I'm introduced to all the squad parties. And there's so much music around me that I'm living, breathing away from my formal education And I mean, my ears just awakened, my soul awakened, you know? And I think that's why in general, the music I make, the music I'm involved with, it's so varied. There's not a genre I stick in. I can make drum and bass one day, I'll make hip hop another day and I'll do something classical the next day, you know, because that's what London is. And that's in effect who I am now.
1: And so Rihanna, I mean, is that just the you get the phone call? It's that classic fairy tale story for the a musician. The fairy tale
2: story. I got a phone call on a Tuesday. I was on a flight on a Friday. <laughs> oh God! It was. Uh, is that the, a fairy tale? It was pretty it was terrifying. Fairy t- a terrifying tale fair, nightmarish, yeah. but yeah, it was
1: insane. At, and so, what, what exactly did you do? You went on global tour yes, or global um, tour? I was with and, her for a year okay.
2: on um, one of her world tours.
1: And, Is it true that you didn't even have any keyboards at the time? So you just cold called Yamaha and said... I mean, this was...
2: At this point, I was already endorsed by Yamaha. Oh, okay. But I got the phone call after one of the keyboard players had dropped out. So it was very last minute. You know, the band was already rehearsed. They were in the final stages of rehearsing. So when I flew in, I walk into rehearsal rooms, I go to my riser, and there's just one sad keyboard stand there. And thankfully, my relationship with Yamaha is amazing. So that was the first phone call I made. So guys... I need some boards right now right here and yeah I got them
1: Rihanna is famous for her incredible work ethic mm-hmm. and attention to detail I mean how was that you said you know you were filling in for somebody so the rest of the band was already dialed in yes terrifying I mean what, how terrifying did, how did I cried you, for yeah? three weeks straight oh, oh god
2: Okay. Until I got the settlers. Hopefully not into, while you're playing. <laughs> not while no, while I was playing. I'm a pro. Not I'm a pro, Mark. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, no, it was absolutely terrifying. And I think I was at a stage in my life where I wasn't honest about how scared I was. I didn't ask anyone for help. You know, and I think in hindsight, I should have just gone up to one of the musicians and been like, guys, I'm terrified. Can somebody have a drink with me tonight? You know, I had about three, four days to get the set down. People were just running through the set. We weren't, nobody was stopping for me, you know. So um, I had keyboards set up there. I also had the same rig set up in London with one of my programmers. So every night I'd send over what I programmed across. Usually I spend weeks and weeks on getting my sounds right. I didn't have that time, you know. And about after four days, I could play through the set and the crying stopped about after about two <laughs> <Okay>. weeks. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh,
1: do you feel that your jazz chops and your classical mm-hmm. training, do you feel that gave you a distinct advantage in the pop music world?
2: For me personally, yes, it yeah. does. Um, occasionally you're asked to do like a big intro, a big outro, and that's where I can draw my classical chops, you know? and my jazz chops you know i've played with artists like leila hathaway who come from such a jazz background where you just really have to have that knowledge because leila will be the kind of artist who will like look at you turn around be like hannah please don't put the sharp nine in there and she'll count, and you're just like oh wow okay you know so you just you need you need to know your stuff when you're playing with artists like that.
1: Let's talk about your transition from touring Mm -hmm. to focusing more on songwriting and production. Was it a conscious switch on your part, or did did that change kind of happen more organically?
2: It was really one of those crazy, crazy things in my life. It wasn't a conscious switch, but in my last year of touring, something in me was starting to get restless. And a whole year, I was thinking, oof, I think I need something new. I think... um, I've played all the stages I wanted to in my life, which is incredible, you know, to, to say you've played Staples Center, Madison Square, Wembley Stadium a bunch of times, you know, O2 Arena 20 times or whatever. I've traveled the world. I've seen the world. It's been beautiful. What's next? And something in me just kept saying, I don't think this is it for me. But then how do you switch careers seamlessly, you know? And sometimes the universe cuts your break, whatever you believe in. Very unexpectedly, I got offered a record deal by Sony, a small one. One EP, couple of singles, but enough of a deal to quit being a session musician. I was always producing on the side, I had a couple of songs out. I sent them out to a couple of people. Somebody played it to somebody. And so my deal was like as an artist producer. And that gave me the opportunity to quit being a session musician.
1: Okay. And then from there... It was the logical progression was I'm going to get into songwriting and production or how did it? I mean,
2: know? my producer journey is completely upside down. You know, who starts their producer career signed to a major label? Nobody, you know, but I paid my dues. So I do not feel guilty about it. i paid my dues in music. But so, yeah, my producer journey was I got a deal as a producer. I was like, whoa, let me better learn how to produce properly because so far I'd only been doing it kind of as a hobby thankfully I had amazing producers around me that guided me that co-produced with me initially as well so that I could learn the ropes at this point I didn't know what deliverables were I didn't know what a campaign looked like I didn't know anything so I learned how to produce whilst being signed by a major label how to properly produce you know Um, I was with Sony for a couple of years um, then I got dropped as so many people do and that's when I started producing and writing with and for other people so it's, it's, it's opposite of what normally
1: happens. Can you maybe tell us about your approach there? Yeah. Are you often writing songs for specific artists in mind, mm-hmm. or is it more that you have tracks that you shop around and then tailor them to an artist? So
2: I work with the artists in okay. the room, and yeah. we create together. For me, that's the magic right there. I don't like prepping stuff. I like going into the studio with nothing okay. but a mic and a laptop and a keyboard. And then I like talking to the artists, Kicking it, having a coffee, seeing where they're at in life, getting to know someone. That's so important, that personal process of breaking bread. As they're talking to me, I'm already like figuring out some topics from what they're talking. I then say, do you want to write a ballad, a mid-tempo or an up-tempo? We'll start there. We'll start with the BPM, you know? Yeah. We kind of figure out what mood they're in. You know, sometimes they're like, I want to write a really sad ballad. Let's go. I want to write something really up-tempo. Let's do. Then at least in my head, I, I know like, okay, then we need it to be this type of BPM. And then I just start playing some chords, start programming some drums, they start humming, we start creating. And the process is incredible and magic, and I will never get over how incredible my job is.
1: Uh, I was going to ask how separate the production work is from the songwriting, or is it all It's all part of the same process? For me, it's
2: all part of the same process. Um Because as the artists are writing, I'm kind of beefing up the production. I'm adding more to the production. But also, I'm not too concerned about it right then and there. Because I know I can always tighten up the prod when the artist leaves. For me, the prod just serves as a bed for the artist to express themselves freely. Um, But for me, both go very, very hand in hand.
1: Okay. You also do some work for big brands Mm -hmm. as well. Um, I know... A lot of musicians or producers—they actually quite enjoy making music to a creative brief. It's—I yeah. mean—it's something totally different, but it's kind of like here's a specific challenge or mm-hmm. a puzzle that I need to solve. Yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, does that does that sound right to you? Or Completely. It, yeah.
2: Um, I love a little riddle. I love a little puzzle. For example, with the Bridgerton job, um, I was sitting on an airplane from Berlin on my way to London. Uh, My publisher called me up and said, Hannah, can you do a string arrangement of Rihanna diamonds for tonight, for today? And I was thinking, hmm, I was calculating the time I called up my string arranger, me and him work together a lot. I said, listen, from the time I'm in front of my computer, we're going to have one and a half hours to turn this around. So in the airplane already, I'm thinking about the arrangement, run home, do the arrangement, send it across to my string arranger. We send it back and forth. It was cut to movie that night. So, yes, I love a riddle. I love the challenge of something like that where you're just like, we just got to make it happen now.
1: I, I see a reoccurring theme mm. here. It's like you get dropped in yeah. somewhere oh, and it's like do or die. And that's, <sighs> that's my and then, life. Yeah,
2: okay. Mark, it's, it's tiring. <laughs> it's tiring.
1: Please. <laughs> but you seem to thrive from it too, though, right? It I seems do. like I some kind of creativity. Do. I that, can't
2: lie. I like the drama.
1: Okay. I right. like the
2: drama a bit. Not yeah, all the time. A little
1: bit of drama. Yeah. 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 So between the songwriting, the production work, are there projects or things coming for the rest of the year that you can mention?
2: I just spent an incredible month in Cape Town working with such incredible artists. Honestly, it was so inspiring. So I've got about four or five songs coming out there. I'm also going to go back in September to continue working with artists. I work with so many incredible artists over here in the UK as well. So continuing to work with them. So lots of writing, lots of production. I just finished a big um, project at Abbey Road with DHL and three incredible artists. So, yeah, there's always, always stuff happening. Always stuff happening.
1: Okay. What exactly was South Africa? That was just that the artists are based there?
2: So I went to South Africa in January with my parents Uh, as a holiday. Yeah. Didn't think nothing of it. Had my laptop there because obviously you always have to have your laptop there as a producer. But didn't open it. Didn't think about music. Fell in love with South Africa and decided, okay, I don't know anyone here, but I'm gonna come back for a month. Okay. Booked my flight,
1: okay.
2: all my friends are saying, oh, Hannah, who are you working with? I don't know. What studio are you working at? I, uh, I don't know. What label are you working with? I don't know. And everybody was saying like, Hannah, you're really brave. And that's when I started thinking, whoa, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> brave. This is crazy. <laughs> brave or, yeah. yeah or. Am I? But like you said, <laughs> sometimes I drop myself into these crazy situations. Even two weeks before my flight, I had nothing organized. Ended up having a a great studio, linking up with an amazing distribution company, Cape Town Thing, who also uh, hooked me up with artists, hooked up with Platoon and Warner and different labels, who also hooked me up with artists. Ended up having just such an incredibly creative time. The artists there are so, 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 so talented. The artists are so steeped in their cultures, which I love, I'm all about culture, and I cannot wait to go back.
1: So, you just showed it with your laptop? I mean, what did you do for gear there? You were just... So,
2: I knew that I needed to bring my own stuff, right? So, I had a laptop, I had my interface, I had an SM7B, and that was it. And I had a pair of cans. That was it. But you know what? That was all I needed. That was all I needed. And the amazing music that was created on my little rig. It's incredible.
1: And I would be interested to hear if you have any advice Mm -hmm. for young musicians who are just getting to start out. Is there something you wish you had known at the time when you were starting out in London?
2: Yeah, I wish I would have known that music has a place for all of us because I spent too long of my career and of my life not feeling good enough just because I wasn't the best jazz pianist or the most technical piano player. So I wish I would have known that my talent, which is the way I deal with people, the way I can bring out talent in people, bring out honesty in people, um, I wish I would have known how valuable my personal skills are. So my advice to everyone is just continue being you, because that's the only thing we got. The only thing we got is being ourselves. We don't have anything else.
1: That's sage advice. Hannah, thank you so much for speaking with me today. I really appreciate you coming down today and I wish you all the best.
2: Thank you so
0: much for having me. That was Hannah V. speaking with Mark Young and this has been Signal Path. This episode was recorded using a pair of SM7B microphones. Thanks for listening and be sure to join us again next time.